after that quick, crazy intro, we are here with the Coffin Corners podcast. I am Big Tom. With me is my buddy, Nathan. What's going on, Nathan? How's your week been? If you're expecting a bunch of golf models talking about football and your fantasy's coming true... Well, I hate to break it to you, pal, but this isn't a podcast for you. This isn't <laughs> Coffin Corners. It's Coffin Corners. I think that might be somewhere in the podcast platform that you're listening to. Oh, hey, Tom. How's it going today? It's going okay, even though my 49ers uh, managed to lose to the lowly Brown somehow over the weekend. Uh, but other than that, it's been I've been good. I, I have to say, I mean, with my Colts, I mean death and taxes and the Colts losing to the Jaguars. I mean, what else could you say? <laughs> That's right. And now the Colts have the ultimate quarterback, uh, the the one, the only, the myth, the man, the legend, Mr. Garner Minshew, who is uh, uh, a wild character to have under center. At, at least he's entertaining. Yeah, definitely. He is He is an entertaining, he's definitely an entertaining quarterback. Uh, you know, for a while uh, without Anthony Richardson, who surprisingly showed a lot better than what I thought he was going to bring to the Colts. Well, that's good. So I think that the Colts still can still be a part of the conversation. They'll, I think they're going to keep putting up the fight and, uh, you know, they're still right there. I mean, it's that division. They're only one game behind the Jaguars, I believe. Right. Yeah. But if it ends up going to a tiebreaker with the Jaguars, I mean, Jaguars obviously will get the benefit of the doubt over the Colts. The good thing is a lot of teams make the playoffs in, in the NFL, so that's the good thing. It's, they don't like to exclude too many people because they like they like getting as much money as they can out of as many cities as they can, you know? And it's also one of those reasons why you don't see a top 25 poll for the NFL often because it's only seven teams being left out. I mean, almost everybody gets in the top 25. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of the top 25, we no longer have any uh, undefeated teams in the NFL. As we I alluded to earlier, my 49ers fell to the Browns, and uh, every mistake that could be made was made. And, um, and then the 49ers ended up ultimately losing on the, the quintessential football mistake, which is the missed field goal by the rookie field goal kicker. And, you know, leaving the game, it didn't feel like a loss. It felt like... Yeah, it was ugly and yuck, and it's it hurt. We had a couple players that got hurt, uh, notably Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and Trent Williams. I, I think that ultimately it didn't feel like it was a, a sign that the team had a lot of weakness. It was kind of like, oh, this was the wake-up call they probably needed at this point in the season. So um, not not really a heartbreaker, as as one might call it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so some some teams it would be a heartbreaker, but but being as it was the Browns, it was early in the morning, and in Cleveland, it was just kind of a different story. I I kind of feel like Chris Berman as the Schwami kind of a bit. I mean, I talked about this last week. I was saying the 49ers might at some point have to deal with the game. They have to deal with the reality. They can lose. Deal with. The fact of, you know, there might be some key injuries that could probably get in the way. And look what happened. Uh, yeah, I think not... you, you even mentioned the trap game. You mentioned the possibility of a trap game, if I remember correctly. 
Yeah, I did. It, it's crazy. Usually I'm wrong about these things. Like usually when people ask me who I think is going to win, I tell them the opposite. So that way they're happy that they end up having their team winning. <laughs> well, that's good. It's got to be ultimately confusing. <laughs> I mean, it, people think Stephen A. Smith's a streak of incorrectly predicting the Super Bowl winner wrong. They should have saw my streak. The one time I was correct was the Super Bowl that the Falcons blew a 28-free lead. Oh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Kyle Shanahan, huh? Yeah, that was a Shanahan kind of got a bad rap out over that one. That was really the only prediction I got correct, and 28-free happened. Wow, that's crazy. So we have, I believe it's five teams, two in the NFC and three in the AFC. No, no, three in the NFC and two in the AFC that are 5-1. and one. Uh, in the AFC, we have it was Miami and who else was it? In the NFC, we have the 49ers and Detroit, believe it or not. You know, the Eagles and Detroit. So Detroit is actually hanging in there with Mr. Jared Goff again. That trade, like we said, you know, one of those rare trades that actually works out for both teams. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to be honest, I didn't really watch a lot of the games. I just only watched highlights, so I might not be as knowledgeable as last week. So, <laughs> Well, I watched a lot of football. In fact, the uh, 49er game, we broadcasted live. Um, me and Carlos and Stephanie, we did our um, thing over there on the PSF app. We call ourselves The Irrelevance. That's the name of our show. And so I, we pretty much had to watch every second of it. <laughs> so there was no wandering away. And, you know, sometimes I'll wander into another room and then miss a little bit. I, I'm sure that you do that, too. I think every sports fan does. You know, wander and you'll miss part of the game. and go, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm in the middle of a game. I know my kids sure like to do that. They wander off. They forget there's a game and miss the second half. Yeah, especially if it's a game that is going wrong. <laughs> I mean... I think a lot of people, especially when I was watching the Iowa and Wisconsin game, I think a lot – I know some people probably wandered off. But it was a great defensive trenches battle. I, I will admit that. I mean, yeah, it was 15-6, to 6, but, man, it was, a, it was a trenches battle on both of the defenses. Yeah, 15-6 to 6 sounds like a defensive battle. Yeah, we got lucky with an 83-yard touchdown run. 82 83 yard touchdown run. I think it was 82 83. So sticking with the college game, uh, the 49ers, the, the real win that the 49ers did get over the week is they found out that they're one of four destinations of choice of a one Mr. Caleb Williams, who uh, not only wants to go to his choice of one of four teams, he also wants a percentage of ownership of the team that he goes to. I think that we need to just become big giant Caleb Williams fans because this is ridiculous. The the, the things that are going on with college football right now are kind of crazy, really. Yeah, especially what is it? Though there are no undefeated teams remaining in the NFL, alas. But in college football, there's around ten teams, including an upcoming matchup of Ohio State and Penn State, as I joke around, the battle for second place for the Big Ten East. And James Madison, of all teams, I didn't think, you know, would still remain undefeated. You know, <laughs> you look at college football, like, you're thinking, okay, James Madison, you're still undefeated. The, all right, then. The powerhouse that is James Madison. <laughs> yeah. What state is James that... Madison even in? Sunbelt, the Sunbelt Conference. But what state are they in? Where where is where is James Madison located? 
Do we even know? Uh, if I were to guess, maybe around Virginia, because maybe they think of that like James Madison. So maybe around Virginia. What do you think about these guys though, like like Caleb Williams, and then you have um, Dion's son, who like in the middle of that game where they were the the comeback game where they lost to USC. Uh, they yeah. lost to Stanford, not USC. Not USC. Or was it Stanford? Okay, so the, so anyways, halftime he tweeted or uh, he he put some uh, some uh, like some gear up on his Instagram and his on his social media. So. Um, he kind of caught some flack about that, and then his team ended up losing it ultimately. Like they were up up at halftime, ended up losing. Correct? Yeah, they were up twenty nine nothing. And to be honest, I had no idea that they were on on Friday. To be honest, I mean, after like the media was keeping on pumping, pumping. We know who we're talking about, the coach of Colorado. I just want to see if I can go on their podcast without mentioning his name. I have respect for the guy. I have respect for his showmanship and everything. I just I just want to challenge myself to see if I can do a podcast without mentioning his name. So the coach of Colorado Boulder. It's kind of like not saying the, the, the singer of Shake, Shake It Off. It's kind of like that. That's the same kind of a challenge <laughs> that we have going right now. I have respect for the guy. I do. I have respect for the guy of how he found a way to get single, probably single-handedly got people into Colorado Boulder football once more. I got to give him credit, especially with the turnover thrown. I love that. Man, I'm trying to think of when. So I'm I'm going back to like Rashawn Salam. I'm thinking because I'm, I'm not the biggest college football fan. I can only dedicate one, one, one day a weekend to football, especially since the kids. But um, but like I, I'm trying to think like Rashawn Salam, I'm thinking like the late 80s was was the last time I remember Colorado being significant. Oh, I remember Cordell Stewart throwing that Hail Mary against Michigan. That was the last time I knew Colorado was significant. Oh, yeah. And that was around that was around like the nineteen nineties or something. Yeah, that was around the same time. Yeah, that was right around the time that I um went into the military and that was that was around the time that I stopped watching as much college football. Because <laughs> I was an, I was actually a Notre Dame fan and I liked Tony Rice and Rocket Ishmael and all those guys. You you were hoping that they would eventually become San Francisco 49ers, just like Joe Montana. Was that it? Yeah, I was, I was sitting. I was hoping Tony Rice would be the be the next 49ers quarterback. Boy, would that have been kind of crazy. Apparently, he was pretty undersized, but I didn't know the difference. But yeah, the Tony Rice was my favorite, and yeah, I would have been good with them drafting Tim Brown and all those other guys. Yeah, but Notre Dame, speaking of Notre Dame, Notre Dame gave kind of a reality, hopefully, to Caleb Williams. I know it doesn't sound like it, the way that he's keeping on going with this route, but maybe they're going to give him a reality of maybe you're not the best quarterback that you think you are, and maybe, yes, you won the Heisman, but it's very difficult to go back-to-back. One of the broadcasters came out and said that he was one of the – he was going to be one of the top ten quarterbacks ever to play the game, and when he gets to the NFL and all, like completely feeding into the nonsense because Caleb Williams is driving me insane with all these demands. It's kind of crazy. That sounds like something that Kirk Herbstreit might say. That sounds like a Kirk Herbstreit. I don't think it was him. I think it was somebody else. I think it was somebody whose opinion I actually kind of respect on some level, but I can't remember for sure. It also might have been Skip Bayless, which wouldn't be the case. 
But it was one it of the. It couldn't be. It couldn't be Lee Corso, could it? I'm, no. I'm just thinking like. It's... Sounds like something that Desmond Howard might say. It might be Desmond Howard. No, I'd remember if it was like Desmond Howard. I would remember that. I'd remember if uh, it was like RG three or somebody like like I remember a lot of the like the former players. This was this was one of the Talking Heads guys, you know. Well, look, if this was the two thousands, I would be able to tell you immediately. But this is two thousand twenties, not the two thousands. I could easily say, uh, was it Chris May, Brad Nessler, Kirk Curve Street, Lee Corso? I just talked, <laughs> and. I, I've been more into big noon kickoff lately. I've been enjoying that. I mean, they have Gus Johnson, and is that the one that I has? Mean, is that the one that has Desmond Howard on it? No, I don't think so. Oh no, or maybe it does. I don't. I don't know. They switch around. It's one minute they're on ESPN. They're like, oh, big noon kickoff. I'll do that instead. It is kind of confusing. And then you like. It, I remember when I was younger. Uh, because the 49ers were the best team and, you know, they followed around Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, um, that we always had the A broadcasting team, which was at the time John Madden, Pat Summerall. So those guys were always calling 49ers games. In fact, I thought that they were the home broadcasters when I was younger because they just did it. They were always doing the 49er games. So who was your favorite broadcaster like growing up? Who was who would you say like was your favorite, you know, broadcast cuz you cuz you like broadcast like you're you're a fan of broadcasting, you're a broadcaster yourself. It's something that you I I was a big fan of Vince Scully for baseball. That's an obvious giveaway. He was a great football uh, announcer too. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I would say the person that got me into college football was I, I just like the attitude of Lee Corso back then. He was he was dynamic. He was like, not so fast, my friend. Yeah, definitely high energy, definitely and continuous high energy. <laughs> like it wasn't it wasn't something that died off during the show. <laughs> like it's it, that intensity remained. <laughs> yeah, and also Keith Jackson. He just had that type of voice, and I remember from a Gatorade commercial that he was talking about the origins of Gatorade, you know, and Keith Jackson just had that voice, you know, that voice and just knew how to spin a yarn. It just got you curious on the history and the history of college football. Yeah, Keith Jackson, definitely, really, absolutely incredible, really good at what he does. And also, uh, he he was lucky enough to be the broadcaster when Happy Gilmore won that – the U.S. Open or whatever it was, the one when the giant tower fell and got in the way of his shot. I don't know if you oh, remember yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was Keith Jackson was actually was calling. I don't know why I remember that, but for some reason that popped into my head. But I did. I loved that commercial. I know the exact commercial you're talking about with the Gatorade, and he did. He explained, like, the, the origins, and they ran it kind of like in an old filmy type of a way. It was really cool. I really liked that. I wonder if we could find that yeah. out on the YouTube. We'll have to see if we can find that on YouTube. You you probably could. It's just, it's just it gets you kind of like, wow. So that was that insert years ago. <laughs> you know. <laughs> See, my favorite broadcasters. It's kind of weird because if I told you mine, you probably wouldn't have ever. Oh, heard Chuck of Hearn for basketball too. Chuck Hearn. Oh, yeah. Chick Chick Ch- Hearn. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Chick yeah. Chick Hearn for yeah. sure. Yeah, he was a legend. 
Yeah, I took Chickern. Yeah, not Chuck. Chickern. That was one. Of... I knew it was a Chuck. That... <laughs> Give me credit. I knew it was a Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was one of the the statues I took a picture with in front of Staples was the Chickern because man, that guy he really could call a game and paint a picture. He could do the radio call. He could do the TV call. Like he did it all. He he was really good. Yeah, LA got lucky with uh, Chick Hearn, uh, Vince Scully, and even the Spanish Dodgers announcer was really great as well. Yeah, I think he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, exactly. Yeah, LA got lucky. LA got lucky with with their broadcasters. I don't think a lot of people would be as much of Dodgers or Lakers fans as they say they would be. I think... It would end up being, when I joke around with people, Ellie's favorite team is the one that makes the playoffs that season. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're, so, you're so right. On our little chat thing, they were, we were talking about, um, you know, you go to Sophie, and it's a visitor's ballpark now. And it's if you go to Kansas City this time of year and you walk the streets or you go into a restaurant, you're going to see a lot of Chiefs jerseys. If you go into Detroit, you go to a restaurant, you go to whatever, and you're lucky enough to survive, you're going to see a lot of Detroit, you know, Lions jerseys. You go to Pittsburgh and on and on to Seattle, you name it, you name it. You go to Los Angeles. If you can find somebody in a Rams or Chargers jersey, I'm going to be very, very, you know, grateful for that because I very rarely see anything like that anywhere near. You never see that out here. It's kind of strange. And I've traveled a little bit. I've gone to some of these cities where teams play. And that pride is shown. Even in uh, the 49ers, you go up into Sacramento, you'll see 49ers jerseys everywhere. You see them, and, and it's, you know, it's not even in the same city. I mean, there was a reason why uh, on Monday Night Football they kept on showing that certain Chargers fan, they were like, really? There's a Chargers fan excited? <laughs> oh, okay, let's keep on showing that. Okay, how about this angle? How about this angle? You know what? I'm just curious if it's upside down. Perfect. <laughs> Did you see the, uh, the they showed the shot? I think it was um, I think it was at the Cowboys Chargers. Was that the one when Lance Bass was there? And he and he said he had a sign that said "Sorry, I'm not her" or something like that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> alluding to the other name that we don't say on the show. Well, we do the best we can. It was very tempting when you said Chiefs, Chiefs fans, and I was. It was very tempting to say, you know, it's a sweaty fans. <laughs> I like the way the Chiefs look, though. I think I'm still thinking it's going to be San Francisco and Kansas City in a in a grudge match. <laughs> just just what we need to lose to Kansas City again. But I think I think San Francisco has a team that can create problems for Mahomes. But you know, again. Like you said, an, you know, an injury can change things. And boy, there were three of them in, in Cleveland. And whether or not that affected the outcome of the game, who knows. But, you know, they were three significant ones when you're talking about Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, you know, two of the most dynamic playmakers in the entire league. And Trent Williams, a Hall of Fame offensive tackle. I just figured about what Detroit Lions had to deal with the fact of not having Amon St. Ra for a couple of games or Sam Laporta or even David Montgomery, right? Is that, his, is that the halfback's name, David Montgomery? I think so, yeah. Yeah, David Montgomery. Yeah, you? just imagining how would they be able to handle that. I mean, 
Yeah, and it's a, a young, couple of key, and they're a young team too. So that I I would imagine that they could get thrown off by by having to you know move around or whatever. Yeah, I yeah I think so. I I still think this could be the year that the Lions could make the playoffs this year. To be honest, I mean the division that they're in. I mean the Packers. They're just trying to improve and realize, okay, we're no longer without Aaron Rodgers. We no longer have Aaron Rodgers. We're with Jordan Love. The Chicago Bears are trying to figure themselves out. The Minnesota Vikings, I mean, especially with Justin Jefferson being injured, they're trying to figure out, okay, who can we pass to now? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And, uh, you know, that's who San Francisco has on Monday night. And, uh, that that should be an interesting one because you know for years Kyle Shanahan really just salivated over Kirk Cousins like that was his ideal quarterback. In fact, he even tried to bring him to San Francisco. So um, that'll be a, a fun one to see San Francisco in rebound mode, which a lot of the great teams do. They'll they'll have a a, a game where things don't necessarily go their way, and then they they come back and they're a little bit stronger with a little more resolve and. And so that could be what we see in Minnesota on Monday. Uh, I'm not expecting the same thing with the Colts. I, I saw that Cleveland Browns defense. I mean, they had George Kittle silent. They held him down. So I'm just I'm just thinking what they're going to do with our one, probably one wide receiver that can actually be able to catch in the way that they handle with the Colts. So hopefully the Colts can – Return to favor and beat the Cleveland Browns after they ended up giving the 49ers first loss of the season. But I'm not getting my high hopes with that. If they keep, if the Cleveland defense keeps on improving with the way that they are going, and they have Deshaun Watson returning back, yeah. And plus, if they found a way to have Nick Chubb return back, oh man, we would be saying Cleveland Browns not only a playoff team, but maybe even winning the division this year. Wow, could you imagine that? That's that's one of those apocalyptic type things. That's where you're like, okay, something's up. <laughs> if the Cleveland Browns, it's kind of like the Clippers. When the Clippers first started to make the playoffs, you're like, okay, all right, there really is this. There's apocalyptic happenings going on right now. But, I mean, the Cubs won the World Series, and everybody thought the apocalypse would happen afterwards, or maybe it, we maybe it did, and we didn't realize it, and now we're realizing it now. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think a lot of people might argue that we are in the middle of an apocalypse. <laughs> you're, you, you're correct. <laughs> so that's what I like about you. You're you're awake. You pay attention to what's going on. <laughs> well, I make sure to say stuff, but at the same time, I know when to shut my mouth. Yeah, that's a good good trait to have. I don't have that characteristic. I just I just talk. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we talked about the apocalypse. Would you like me to get to our human interest stories? It is. It's time for the human interest story. I'd love to see. What do you have for us today for our human interest story? Well, actually, I do have a couple of human interest stories. Uh, one actually has to do with marching band, and another one has to do with your San Francisco Giants. Mm. Don't worry. It's good. Oh, good. Let's hope it's good. I hope so. I'm I'm a little concerned over some of the things that have gone on as of recent, but I'd love to hear what you got going on. All right. So we have come to the conclusion that NIL deals are no longer for athletes. That's right. 
It's not only the athletes getting in on the NI deals. The Iowa Marching Band got an NI deal with Brooks Family Kitchen. And they, and it was for the Mellophone section. Oh. Now, you're probably wondering what a Mellophone is. A Mellophone is a brass instrument, typically in the key of F. Has the same sound as a French horn and similar fingering to a trumpet. I did not know that. Now I, I feel smarter as far as music. I feel a little more learned. I'm educated. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You don't think that you will get educated on a football podcast with a bunch of knuckleheads. Well, we're proving you wrong with that. Well, the San Francisco Giants are trying to find a way to have the first one manager in Major League Baseball history. But the assistant head coach, Alyssa Nacken, according to a search engine, her emphasis is on base running, outfield instruction, and in-game preparation, has got an interview for the manager position. You know, to be honest, at this point, all I care about is, do they have love of the game of baseball, strategies, work well with a team, and etc.? You know, I will clap if they are a qualified person, but I will applaud when they make success. If, if she's qualified for that, great for her, but... My concern is they are putting her on just because of being a woman, which in the U.S. there's around 50% of that. So that's not really as big of a deal. I would be worried of them setting her up for failure. Similar to that of a Fox show about the first woman Major League Baseball player, it was called Pitch. Pitch. I said pitch. She pitched for the San Diego Padres, yeah, she grabs curiosity at first, but leads to be a failure and lasts only a season. Plus, let's say she does. She's in the division of the NL West. She has to deal with the Dodgers, who are hated rivals with the San Francisco Giants. But not only that, the Dodgers win the NL West nearly every year. The D-backs have made great improvements during the National League Championship Series, for gosh sakes. The San Diego Padres are in the conversation, and whether people want to admit or not, even the Colorado Rockies are improving. I mean, I wouldn't put it past if Rob Manfred had her go for in the playoffs to have ladies inspire to be MLB managers. I wish the best of luck to Alyssa Nakin if she ends up being the one manager. Okay, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are, I remember when they first rolled out that she was working with the team. And I remember thinking that it was, because San Francisco is really, obviously, they're a, a city that that tries to stay ahead of things. And um, the, they, they had um, the first, I believe they had the first female in-house announcer, like, you know, the arena MC or whatever you want to call it. And then they had the first woman play-by-play announcer um, that that does like their TV and some of the radio stuff, and and so when I heard about her coaching, which was it's been quite a few years now, um, I just remember reading up and that the the players just loved working with her. That she was really good with communicating with them in a way that other people couldn't, and it was a. Uh, um, but she also had the baseball knowledge as well. So there was like some kind of a gap that she was bridging there for, for certain players that was was a good, positive thing. So um, you don't hear a lot about coaches in baseball unless you watch every broadcast and you hear 
you know, they, they focus on that. And I don't, you know, I honestly, they don't do that a lot in San Francisco. <laughs> they talk about the manager and then that's about it. And they might show, throw a, a story or two there, here or there about the, you know, first or third base coach, but not a whole lot. So, um, from what I understand, she's been doing a good job and has liked by the players for a long time. So I'm glad she's getting the interview. And I, um, I hope that, that, um, that the giants just make the right choice. Kind of like you said, and, and I wouldn't be against them hiring her in any way, shape or form. If that's what they think is the right thing. I do believe that the plan is going to be to try to somehow poach Dave Roberts, which I don't know that Dave Roberts is necessarily an upgrade upgrade from Gabe Kapler, but, um, (laughs) apparently he's a, he's a giant, he was a giants player there towards the end. He's got the Farhan's Farhan's uh, Farhan. I keep saying Farhan anxiety because somebody said it because uh, his name is Farhan Zaidi. And I always say far they on the radio. I heard somebody say Farhan anxiety. And so then I started to kind of repeat that. And now that's stuck in my head. Anytime I go to say his name, I start to say Farhan anxiety instead of Farhan anxiety. But anyways, um, but there's that relationship there between Dave Roberts and Farhan. So, um, and I think the Dodgers fan, well, Dodgers fans, but I think the Dodgers are, are are probably looking to do something a little bit different. I don't think that they appreciate the way the season ended this year. I mean, they got a hundred wins and they ended up being swept by the D-backs. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, they're gonna be trying to address a lot of stuff, and it's, I, I, th- I think that that starts at the top. But we'll, I mean, we'll see. I it would, I would have a hard time moving on from a manager that's winning that much. But if you think, oh well, we've been loading him with talent, he should be even doing better. Then that's a different conversation, and that's you know, I'm glad that I'm not in that position. Like, could you imagine being in a position where you tell a guy you're no longer the manager of the team? Like, we all talk about it on the outside, and it's easy to talk about it. But imagine being the person who has to make that decision and, as we see on Hard Knocks, deliver that news, you know. On Hard Knocks, you see they deliver it to these guys that, you know, it's been their dream. The only thing they've really known since they were kids is being a football player, and then they're told, you know, we're letting you go. <laughs> it's it's pretty heavy. So. Now that I've- yeah, I mean, it would be kind of crazy to, to tell a manager that got you to the playoffs and also had you win your division like almost every other year and you tell them, no, uh, you're being let go. Kind of almost feels a similar feeling with the Memphis Grizzlies when they made their first Western Conference Finals and they're like, no, Lionel Hollins, you're no longer the coach. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's been a that's been a thing, you know the you know the 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 Cowboys firing Jerry, uh, not Jerry Jones, Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> they wish they could fire Jerry Jones. <laughs> yeah, they wish they could. Yeah, I bet the fans really do. <laughs> okay, sorry. All right. Yeah, every one of us when he when you hear the uh, when he when he said no, Dak's gonna get us to the Super Bowl. You could hear the whole country go, "What?" <laughs> okay, Jerry. And I'm not talking about when he said it years ago. He said it like right after the 49ers beat the crap out of him. So I, I don't get it. 
But yeah, I agree that Jerry, Jerry Jones is the one that should be fired. But yeah, he, because of that battle of egos, he, he fired Jimmy Johnson when the Cowboys were really good. And, and, um, Barry Switzer, who nobody likes, as far as I know, he came in and he, you know, he, he, he did won a Super Bowl because of it with a team he didn't even yeah. build. <laughs> yeah. Well, you talked about Caleb Williams, and I want to put in my sense with Caleb Williams, all right? So here's the real human interest story. You know what's interesting? Now, before I get to talking about Caleb Williams, let me just say this. Caleb Williams is making my answer... Oh, whoops, sorry. I just want to say, I have been... Before I get started... I just want to say I've been to job interviews and one of my answers to a question, how would I deal with a robber or robbery? And I responded, I would make them a sandwich. Caleb Williams is making that answer sound more sensible than what he's doing right now. (laughs) Not only four teams he wants to be drafted by, but says, if you draft me, I want partial ownership of the team. I admire his chutzpah with that but all i gotta say is i just want to say on behalf of all las vegas raiders fans congrats raiders kayla williams is your future qb no other team is going to draft them because of this because of that you are already demonstrating to organizations that you are going to be a headache if you start out this way but let's not forget remember Eli Manning said he wouldn't play for the Chargers, and he demanded to be traded, and he eventually got traded to the New York Giants. So what do I know? To be honest, he kind of reminds me, I think he's going to get Bull Callahan himself. Now, you're probably wondering, who the heck is Bull Callahan? Well, he's a fictional quarterback character in the Kevin Costner movie Draft Day, and it was the Cleveland Browns wanted to make him into a first pick of the NFL draft. Now, Kevin Costner's character finds out about Bo Callahan lying about the money test. You see, they hide money in the playbook, and they they would ask them the question, and they would answer, did they see the money, yes or no. But when they asked him, and he returned the playbook, they see the money isn't in the playbook anymore. So they ask him, did you see the money? He says no. And then they're like, all right, you're obviously lying, so we're going to give you a chance here. And then he jokes around, oh, oh yeah, I, I, I saw the money, and he played it off as a joke. But you have to show intentions of more for your, but showing intentions of more for yourself than working with the team and not being a nuisance. You have to prove your worth, loyalty, and skill to get that big money contract. There is a difference between being ambitious and being obnoxious. And you, sir, have certainly crossed the line. Partial ownership. If you were part of the team and saying, hey, I took you to the playoffs, even got our franchise's first conference championship game appearance, and with the contract extension, I was hoping, you know, to be added as a partial owner of the team. I would understand that. But you're getting started. You, you're just getting started. You have played college ball. The NFL is a whole entire different system. 
Yes, you have won a Heisman. But people that won that didn't have lasting NFL careers. Tim Tebow and some of your USC quarterback alumni buddies, Matt Leiner, Carson Palmer. Let's not forget what used to be the most unanimous Heisman winner, Troy Smith. And, of course, how could we forget Johnny Football himself, Johnny Manziel? You're right, man. And there's a bunch of those guys. There's a bunch of those guys. And what do you do if you get if you get somebody like Caleb Williams and you and he gets a share of the team? You're stuck with him. You're stuck with a headache. You're because what are you going to trade him and then trade along with it a percentage of your team, or he's gonna he's gonna own part of the Raiders and then go play for the Chargers? Like it, it makes no sense. It's it is one of the more ridiculous things I've ever heard demanded by anybody. And I wanted to take you a little bit further back. Now, who who was the quarterback that you mentioned that uh, the the Eli Manning? So Eli Manning said he wasn't going to play for the San Diego Chargers, right? Right. Let's go a little bit further back with a with a with a real legitimate Hall of Fame quarterback. Do you remember a quarterback being drafted by your Colts and didn't want to play there? Oh yeah, John Elway. That's right. That was, uh, you know, historically there's been a few of those, and people forget about that. John Elway was so good that that kind of a, they erased the memory of that, you know. And so Caleb's banking on the idea that he's going to be so good that this the memory of all this nonsense is going to be erased. And I agree with you. It's it's really getting out of hand now. It's really kind of crazy. <laughs> It's getting WWE crazy up here <laughs> with the way he's going. It's, when you he's have... making LeVar Ball look sensible. That's saying something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yep. You're right. That is really saying something. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Dude's insane. And I don't know... You know who, how how you can say I'm going to only one of these teams and I'm going to own one of these teams. So he's basically saying, "All right, here's four teams. I want to own a piece of one of them." It's just, oh my goodness, I just. And he says he can make more money staying in college. He can make more money staying there. What happens if you get hurt? Then you never really go make the big money. Exactly, like I said before, it's not guaranteed. Yeah. I mean. I know it's set up. Yeah, you could probably sign some autographs here and there, and maybe you could sign some autographs, get selfies, you know, have people pay for selfies. But I believe you mentioned Leinert, and Leinert was a Heisman Trophy winner, and I would be willing to bet that if you put Leinert, you know, downtown L.A. somewhere for $20 an autograph, you might be able to sell a couple hundred. But that's yeah. not, that's not going to be enough to uh, – you're not gonna be able to do that every weekend, so that's that's not that's not a living. You know what I mean? And he's not likable, at least not right now. Not with all this nonsense, he's not. Yeah, and credit to Matt Leinart though. He he is. I'm I'm kind of liking him being you know being as a commentator. He's a pretty good commentator. Oh yeah, Leinart's a good commentator, and I liked the trolling of the the Notre Dame too. Even though I'm a Damer, a, a Domer fan, because he he put up a he put up a well, you'd have to check it out because he was some some uh, Notre Dame fan said Leinart go to hell or something like that, and he goes 
he said, I'm already here. And he, he played like that song, I'm already there. And he, it showed him walking out onto the Notre Dame <laughs> field. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> but I agree. I think, I, I think Leinart and, and you give even Reggie Bush to a degree, Reggie Bush never really became what they thought he could be in the NFL. I mean, well, he technically no longer has a Heisman trophy, so I couldn't say Reggie Bush. You know what? That's totally fair. You're right. Although he is, <laughs> he did start doing the retroactive trying to get it back now. Well, now that players can get paid, can I like, no, the rules were the rules back then. The rules are different now. <laughs> well, can I get Kim Kardashian back? Cause now, you know, because now she's had all these other experiences. No, that's not how it works, dude. That's not how it works. Can't take steps backwards. <laughs> yeah, that's almost like with uh, with uh, with uh, what was it with Pete Rose going like, "Hey, you now accept gambling? Can I be in the Hall of Fame?" Yeah, jeez, poor Pete. If he could just go and if he could just own what he did and not make a mockery of it he would get in the hall of fame i mean he really is one of the greatest baseball players to ever live and i know you, you look at the statistics i mean by golly and plus playing with the big red machine and everything i mean everything is the hallmarks no pun intended hallmarks uh hallmarks of you know of a bit of a great baseball career yeah, and then, and then he goes and he ruins any opportunity of being immortalized by writing, you know, I'm sorry I shot JFK on a baseball. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, come what? On. That's no what he does. No way he did that. No, I know we're in an idiocracy world, but there is no way that actually happened. You could look it up. You're on, lying to me. You could look it up on eBay right now. <clears throat> he signed a bunch of them. I'm sorry I shot JFK because he did the. The, initially he did that i'm sorry i bet on baseball sorry man i've got something in my throat um he did that i'm sorry I, I bet on baseball and then all of a sudden he started rolling out all these other ones i'm sorry i shot jfk um oh, oh my gosh what were the other ones he had a few different ones i was it like, oh my I, gosh i'm sorry Please I don't faked, tell me i faked <laughs> the moon landing like all of these things oh my kind of like oh making God. fun of the fact that he apologized for betting on baseball and you're like dude what is wrong with you like that doesn't that's not okay <laughs> i think he might have said i'm sorry i broke up the beatles like he had all, like there's a few of them if you look them oh, up don't take that away from Yo yoko ono don't take that away from her come yeah, on i know that's not fair i agree actually i'm gonna i'm gonna look it up right now on ebay while we're talking because um, there were a bunch of different ones and I was going the first time I, I can't remember. I think the first one was, I'm sorry, I killed JFK. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty funny. And then, um, and then I started seeing all these other ones. I'm like, going, no, this isn't funny anymore. <laughs> I actually got one more interesting human, uh, human, uh, interest story. And then we could get to the top touchdown celebrations. Okay. Absolutely. Go for Don't it. Don't you find, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you know, go for it. Don't you find it interesting? Have you noticed that movies and shows don't plain suck these days? I mean, as a reason these days, there is just a, is an ism or an ist or a phobe to it. But when it comes to sports, we don't say the same thing. Can you imagine if someone said back in the day to watch it, the Washington Redskins lost. It was because of racism. 
You would sound ridiculous saying that back then. I miss the days when people felt honored being nominated instead of thinking the reason you didn't because of political affiliation or identity politics. It's an honor just to get drafted from first round, first pick to last pick of the seventh round. And all right, and that should do it for the human interest stories. Let's get to the top touchdown celebration. I love that. And so far, by the way, all I found is uh, I'm sorry I broke up the Beatles. So that one was correct, but I'm still scrolling. Yeah, what is your favorite touchdown celebration? Uh, I really enjoy the Icky Shuffle. Or is it the Icky Shuffle? It was, is it Icky? Yeah, Icky Woods. Elbert Icky Woods from uh, um, the Cincinnati the Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals. Number yeah. 30. My favorite number 30 to ever play sports, I think. And yeah, that was a great dance. And then there was also Justin Jefferson. Just the fact he tossed his helmet, you know, after the Minneapolis miracle. That was a great one. I thought he tossed it to the stands, but he just tossed it to the side, I think. Mm -hmm. I just really enjoyed that. He's like, yeah, if it was to go to the Super Bowl, he would have spiked that helmet. Yeah. And I wouldn't blame him. <laughs> I would probably do the same thing. I sent the Vikings to the Super Bowl. Heck yeah. I love it. And then Ezekiel Elliott jumping into the Salvation Army kettle. Yeah, that one was solid. I remember that one. That was very good on Thanksgiving, I believe. Yeah, it was on Thanksgiving. That's a lot better to be remembered by than the butt fumble. Sorry, New York Jets fans. Right. But don't worry. You guys beat the Eagles. Great job, New York Jets. I <laughs> you know. I think Ezekiel Elliott got fined for jumping into the uh, the Salvation yeah, Army. Yeah, he did. Bat. He did. So silly. Come on, league. Get it together. Hey, there's a reason why the NFL stands for no fun league. So for years and years, as a 49er fan, I would watch Dwight Clark or Jerry Rice get a touchdown, and neither one of them celebrated. You know, they would both, the very most either one of them would ever do is, like, raise their hands up in the air. Jerry spiked it a little bit towards the end of his career, but definitely not early in his career. So Terrell Owens comes along, and all of a sudden we've got this guy who's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. He did more of it when he got it over to Dallas. Um, like I think in Dallas is where he did the – no, no, he he did the – so in San Francisco he grabbed the cheerleaders' pom-poms, danced with the cheerleaders. Yep. Um, yeah. I believe he was in San Francisco when he pulled the Sharpie out of his, his sock and autographed the football on TV. Yeah, yeah, that was one of my favorites too. Um, I'm trying to remember. I, I, I can't remember which teams he was with which. There was obviously the one where he went and danced on the – the Dallas Cowboys star and then got you know he got hit by by a Cowboys player and caused a big I think fight. he was an Eagles I think he was an Eagles probably at that point well he was a 49er when he did the Cowboys star I know that I know oh, okay. he may have done it again as a Eagle but he did it on the... I wouldn't put it past it that seems like something that you would do it's like well I'm gonna do it again yeah yeah so he was uh but he was one of those notorious uh celebrators um, and then uh, the other one that stands out in my mind was obviously Chad Ochocinco, who always had something. He had the, you know, where he took the, um, oh, God, what do they call that? What do they call the little foam thing in the end zone? He took that and pretended it was a, um, a golf putter and putted the golf ball or putted the Oh, I, the I know what you're talking about. I, I just. Uh... Yeah, I forget what it's. 
I've, I don't know why I can't think of the name of it because I, I sometimes I have them because they they sell you know they sell those autographed like they'll you can get game used and you know some players will sign those for whatever reason the pylon they're they're called pylon the pylon yeah. yeah the end zone pylon so um yeah <laughs> yeah so he took the pylon and pretended it the football was a golf ball um, oh yeah <laughs> and there was um was it uh. Who was the one that, that that broke the that messed up the end zone by dunking over it? Was that was it Jimmy Graham that did that? And then he was yeah, I think so. That's not that sounds about right. That sounds like Jimmy Graham. Yeah. So, uh, but the Ch- Chad Onchosico one, the one that I I really like, I it turned me against him was when he went to the sideline and he had a Hall of Fame jacket and. <laughs> It did, it doesn't age well because he's nowhere near a Hall of Fame level. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't believe he's going to ever get a serious look at the Hall of Fame. No, he probably isn't. He, he could do all the butt kissing as a sports commentator, but it won't be enough. Yeah, he could. And in, in a fun, unique guy. I mean, I've heard a lot of really great stories. I used to follow him on, um, uh, was it Instagram or was it? Twitter. Well, it was it Twitter? I think it was Twitter, and he would say, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm getting my laundry done," and he would say, "Which laundry's mat? Laundry mat is that? Somebody come over, keep me company." And then, like 50, 60 people would show up, so he would take them all to the movies, and he would pay for their snacks and stuff, and like that's the kind of dude he was. And you, you go, "Oh man, that's expensive," but, but he wasn't the guy that was out buying a bunch of expensive cars like some of these guys. He wasn't buying a house that he couldn't afford like a lot of these guys. He was yeah there was a there's a reason why Tony Dungy made a whole entire program on learning about finances as an NFL player yeah yeah well he was at a laundromat that should tell you that he's somewhat grounded if he's getting his clothes done at a laundromat <laughs> and he was still an NFL player at the time or maybe he was just retired but it wasn't like he wasn't um, out of money you know what I mean what that it didn't that wasn't the vibe I got from it. And speak- I think he. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. What were you gonna say? No, I. I was just thinking. I think he just wanted to find a way to show people that he's not, you know, superficial. So. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, could be, because he really was always uh, one of those people. Kind of like um, you hear stories about Elvis giving cars to people he never didn't really know. You know, you hear those kind of stories, and uh, Chad seemed to be one of those guys, kind of a giving dude. So. So good on him. Um, and Owens uh, apparently got into a little scuffle at a pickup basketball game yesterday, and uh, somebody got in the car and tried to run him over. So that was on TMZ. What? Yeah, so Terrell Owens still making headlines with his with his athletic stuff. It's kind of weird, but uh, to be, you know, can I just say this just sounds as a Mad Libs or a random word generator, like. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So, so it's uh, it's uh, it's Terrell Owens, and uh, what happens to him? Uh, ding, ding, ding. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a car, and it was during a pickup basketball game. And what happens with the car? Ding, ding, ding. He tried, he tried to run over him. All right, everybody. Get this out there. Let people know about it. We cannot let people know that the negative news network is doing some awful things right now or that the world is doing awful things right now. Keep them distracted. 
<laughs> Love it. <laughs> well, I think that I think that just about brings us to the end of our episode. Is there anything else you want to throw out there before we head on into another week of, of football? Well, I just want to say thank you for having me as part of this podcast. I really do appreciate it, Tom. And just let me know on how many more podcasts till I qualify to be part of one of your comedy shows. All right. I'll (laughs) let you know. I'll let you know as soon as that happens. But keep up the great work. And thank you so much for doing it. I appreciate you uh, making time and uh, fitting around my little crazy schedule I got going on here. So, and thanks to all the listeners too. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Tell all your friends, and uh, we'll keep. And make sure to rate too, please. Yeah, please do. I didn't know rating was a thing, so yeah, start rating it too. (laughs) Well, on Spotify it is, and I think on iHeartMedia it's also a thing you could do, and also on Podchasers people can review and rate as well and also i just want to say also if you do have some time and you're around the venture county area make sure to stop on by the industry or store we also will be under the name of autism works print shop as well stop on by the store up at 518 east main street in downtown ventura you will be helping keep employment for autistic adults absolutely make sure you get over there and they do a lot of wonderful things and they have a lot of great goods and services so be sure to go over there and get some uh, get some stuff printed up i need to get some stuff printed up soon all right thanks again nathan i will talk to you next week all right you got tom thank you all you listeners and thank you again tom i really do appreciate it and tune in next time for coffin corners not coffin corners that might be on a different podcast platform Thank you.